This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Kwame Kusatsu. I play Admiral Nakamura on Star Trek Next Generation and welcome you all to Trek FM. Welcome to another Cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Joe Keegan, and joined with me today is the ever-amazing Amy Nelson. Amy, how are you today? I am doing great. So glad to be here. Welcome back, Joe. I loved seeing all your pictures from Destination Star Trek. Oh, it was such good fun. Like all Star Trek conventions, it's just really nice to meet the people that you don't see see from day to day, week to week. You only see them kind of once or twice a year. So it was lovely to catch up and just be with my Trek pals. So that was great. And as usual, my other host is here, Justin Ozer, who is jubilant and jovian and something else starting with a J. So, hi, Joe. Uh, now I... I live on Jupiter. I'm Jovian. <laughs> yes. Cool. Indeed. I like it. But uh, yeah, it, w- it was great that you had such a great time at Destination Star Trek. Very jealous. And I'm hoping because of your science background, you are trying to perfect that transporter so I can join you next year. How's it going on that? Be, there's some there's some issues with kind of what happens at the quantum level. Hmm. Being able to tell kind of position and spin of all your particles at the same time. Well, you just need so. to invent the Heisenberg compensator at the same time, and you'll be fine. And just compensate for that fact. Yeah. Just guess. <laughs> guess where your bits are, yeah. That's yep. fine. Well, if Easy. you could, you know, mm-hmm. I'll go into the transporter and then split like Thomas and Will, so then okay. I can still be teaching, but then, you know, really be in... In, you uh, teachers, you, you just want more copies of yourself to do your jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like we've been here, we've been here before. Mm. I don't think it's going to work. Disturbed, but anyway, I'm doing well. Other than worrying about that, that's cool. Don't worry about it. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So there's not going to be multiple copies of Amy or I um, in the near future. Not soon. Okay, that's good. But hey, so we have some iTunes reviews. Um, from August and September. Amy, would you like to read the first one? Yes, we have a five-star review from 17016827821DJSN. Oh, I love that guy. Yes, uh, <laughs> the 1701, I get the reference. The rest of it, I uh-huh. don't get. <laughs> oh, I was hoping no. that you would. Okay, all I mean, right. It's not lost. A really far in the future star date after that, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Possibly. All right. Well, the subject is great podcast and writes, listening to this podcast every week is like joining a conversation with some amazing friends. 
To make it even better, they're talking about one of my favorite shows. Well, thank you for that great review, and we obviously love talking about it, and glad that we're your friends, because we're friends too. Yeah, we are all friends, and even our listeners that we might not have met are our friends, um, because we come to you every week. One of the really weird things at Destination Star Trek was I'd be having random conversations with people, Mm -hmm. um, like at various times a day, and they'd say, they'd listen to my voice, and they'd go, wait, are you Joe Keegan? And I'd be like... (laughs) I'd like back off a little bit and I'd be like, yes, why? I was like, I, wait, I was waiting for like, or you've been served or something <laughs> like that. Um, but no, they were like, oh, um, we are Trek FM listeners. Um, we love Earl Grey. And that was, it was kind of surreal. Isn't that felt, awesome? It was, yeah. it was. I felt what it might feel like to be Amy Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know if you've reached that level yet, but but uh, not quite. But it was a taste. But yeah, Joe, I think you're experiencing what I experienced for the first time, probably in in 2018, after I'd been doing Earl Grey for for a while, and people would come up at STLV and they'd be like, "I think I know you. Are you Justin?" I'm like, "Yes, I am." Who are you? <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh, I'm this Twitter handle. Oh, oh, you're that person." Because I don't know people by oh, their okay. names sometimes. But but it's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's very cool. At first, it takes some time to get used to, though. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's so cool. Justin, you've got the next iTunes review. Yeah, so this is from KC Trekkie FM via Apple Podcasts in the U.S. from September 10th. Subject is still warping, and it's a five-star review. So the review says, Enjoying Earl Grey on a weekly basis and have for quite some time. The regularity and underrated aspect of podcasting is stellar, and the amount of new topics after so many episodes is great. Art thrives under restriction, and the creativity to come up with great topics is art. Thanks for keeping me entertained, and thanks to at Fitzy Cal Herb, who's Jeff Stone. Assume that's the person that maybe introduced them to Earl Grey, but thank you, KC Trekkie FM. We do really appreciate uh, that you enjoy Earl Grey on a weekly basis, and uh, yes, it's been a very regular podcast for a long time. Just about every week of, of the year on Tuesday, you can have a new Earl Grey episode, and uh yeah, it's. Uh, I think people ask me sometimes, like, how do you keep coming up with topics? And it's like, there's just so much to talk about in the next generation. We're actually, I think, never going to get to all of it that we want to talk about. So it's it's fun and it's a thrill that people like the topics. I feel like an artist now. <laughs> Art thrives under restriction. I yeah. know. I feel like I feel like we're doing something that's kind of changing the world. Yeah. In our own I, little corner. True. Yeah, and sometimes when we do this, I'm like. I'm getting together with my friends, Amy and Joe, we're going to talk TNG and it's fun, but like people listen to it and they're like, wow, this is a great episode you put together. And it's like, we were just talking and having a conversation. Yeah. I mean, having a wee chat, okay, yeah. there's more prep than that, but still, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just very gratifying. So thank you. So true. Um, right. We have some bad news and some good news next. Yes. Um, recently we had our iTunes giveaway. The bad news is that we never heard from the winner, Lean D, whoever that is. So we're going to reselect a new winner and hope that they um, contact us um, and they will receive the prize of the um, TNG collectible cards. Yes. Justin, are you going to select this new winner? I am. So I'm going to select this using a random number generator from the 11 reviews uh, that we had gotten from July 1st to August 31st when the contest was open. So shall I pick the winner? Yeah, please pick me. Pick me. Uh, You were not eligible. (laughs) 
You've Donna. already got us. And you've already got your cards from Chris anyway. <laughs> know, so, you know. know. Okay. All right. So, Thanks, Chris. <laughs> so here we go. All right. So I, and I think we know who this is. The winner is Casey Lee for, t- for TS, the Apple Podcast. <gasps> Yay, Award. From, Casey! Yay. From last week, we read yeah. out our, fee- our iTunes review, didn't we? And she, no, or something. We read out something. He, Oh, yeah. And he's been on yes. patrons' roundtables. Oh, great. Oh, oh, okay. Congratulations, Casey. So reach out to us and uh, send us your information, and we will send you those great collectible cards. Yay. Um, yay. So we have some Babel Conference feedback for Earl Grey episode 296, which was the science in the next generation part four. And Christopher Baca says, it is interesting that Trek sort of missed robots, even though they were referenced on the original series. We also saw androids and advanced AI with the M5 computer. The Enterprise also had drones on board to aid in exploring an area of space. The closest we got to a robot was Nomad with advanced AI and the M4 robot. I guess it could have been a budget thing. And look how time-consuming it was to film the robots in Star Wars, especially R2. Um, a great comment, Christopher. I think it was probably was a budget thing um, to do kind of any kind of complex um, robots or androids. Data was an exception, but that was just a, a guy in makeup, really. Um, yeah. I really like the DOT7s. Mm, um, on Discovery. From Discovery, when they kind of, they came out their wee hatches on the hull and went to repair the hull. Yeah. They were cool. Very cool. But yeah, definitely a good point. So Stefan Ringlein says, very special episode. First of all, it was so fun to hear Justin burst out into laughter. As you said, it's infectious. Couldn't help but smile and laugh with him. It's precious to have those silly moments. Second, nice picks. I love how Joe talked about VR. You described it in a way that I, that I felt like I'm there. Almost made me get a vibe myself. Almost. Interface is a great episode and takes VR to the next level. If I recall correctly, Jordy wasn't just getting optical inputs through his visor ports, but also sensor input through the bodysuit and at his hands. That's why he got burned there. They increased the input to boost the range, if I'm not mistaken. The other episode is sadly even more relevant today. They did a good job at the start to mirror the problem of destroying the environment, but in the end, it wasn't made clear if it was the entire galaxy that suffers from warp drive or just that region. I think that was force of nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Stefan goes on to say, I remember seeing that one for the first time as a teenager and how I instantly picked up what they referred to and the mentions of the speed limit in some episodes after that. Thanks for these science episodes. Keep up the good work. So yeah, thank you, Stefan, for all of your comments. Glad you and other listeners enjoyed me um, losing it on the podcast. I really did. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, and it was fun to kind of listen back to that. I I listened back to it and I actually had the same reaction I did while I was on the episode so I was not okay for a little bit but anyway glad you enjoyed the discussion about VR and force of nature and all the other stuff so thanks so much yeah thank you Stefan um get a vibe definitely do it save up all your pennies and go and buy one for yourself it won't be a bad purchase also the thing about Jordy's inputs his suit Mm. that he wore I was thinking about this like um when you if you're having a bad dream and you wake up and there's this kind of physiological reaction to what's going on in your brain. You kind of, you can wake up and covered in sweat because mm-hmm. of the, the dream. So it's that kind of, that but taken to the next level, I think. Yeah, I could see that. Or you wake up screaming or something based on something that's in your dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Casey Pettit says, hearing Justin's uncontrollable laughter was infectious. I can't even get out your final thoughts. I'm starting to think you need to do a whole episode on the bot script. Well, Casey, oh, hashtag mm. still listening. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I will say more because I want lots of people to listen <laughs> okay. to this. Okay. So, Casey, thank you for your comment. And what we've decided to do is in the bonus section after the previously on Trek FM, when we would usually do a bonus question, uh, we are going to, among the three of us, read the whole thing. Now, it's it, it's not really a whole... No, hold on a minute, Justin. Yeah. We're not just going to read the whole thing. Yeah. We're doing a spectacular performance of it, a dramatic reading, if you will. Um, okay. So what I was... <laughs> anyway, I just want to say it's not going to take 45 minutes or anything. It's really just a couple pages for the whole thing. But my challenge is to try to not laugh as you guys do your parts and I do my parts. And we'll see if I succeed or not. You're so going to fail at that. <laughs> Probably. Like one of two things is going to happen. Either I'll be able to do it completely straight and then at the end I will just lose it or I will laugh throughout and it will take 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I can't wait. Yeah. So so thank you for the suggestion. We were definitely thinking along those same lines. Indeed. Yeah. So uh, Gina Marie says, this made me laugh so hard at work today. My coworkers thought I was crying for a second. LOL. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> so... And uh, yeah, I think we also got some other feedback by email and on the Babel conference that people were at work and they uh, burst out laughing and people thought they were insane. <laughs> they had to explain what was going on. So <laughs> yes. um, yeah, uh, glad we could bring that into your day and hope we didn't get anybody fired. So <laughs> anyway, so I'm glad we're bringing joy into people's lives. Yes. Exactly. Really we need it. Okay, thank you everybody for their, um, your Babel Conference feedback and keep sending it and we might read it out. So we're going to get into the main part of the episode where we're talking about our favourite badass Riker moments. Are you sure we're allowed to say that? Yes. Yes. We've, we've done been several episodes before. For a long time. Thanks to Nick Anastasio, who came up with the idea and we started with the badass... Uh, Picard, I think. Picard, yeah. 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 So we've been going through, and it's Riker's turn today. Yeah. And this is my first badass character episode. So can I ask I you still, a question? I don't like saying that word. Yeah, like you don't it. have to. So I just wanted to ask you a question because I, I'm trying to think. I don't know since you've been on if we've talked about Riker a lot. Like, what do you think of him as a character? It's weird. I was thinking about that today when I was researching it. I think he's just a character for me. He didn't particularly resonate with me when yeah. I was growing up. The characters that I really identified with were Picard, LaForge, and Data hmm. for some reason. Um, and Wesley, I suppose, because he was just a little bit older than me. Um, but Riker, I think, kind of having contemplated that a bit, I think he's a bit alpha. Hmm. He's a bit of an alpha male, isn't he? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, that doesn't. I'm not alpha, so... Okay. Didn't have I a mean, connection. Um, he, he was meant yeah, to be exactly. kind of a Kirk-like character on TNG. That, yeah. Well, that, I was thinking about that as well. Obviously, they had this amazing trio in Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Mm -hmm. And they thought, how are we going to replicate that for this new season, series? And they came up with something entirely different. Mm -hmm. But it still really works. Mm -hmm. um, so that you've got, I suppose you've got Riker, Data, and Picard... Yeah. And it's that it's, it's kind of Spock, Kirk and McCoy kind of jumbled up and redistributed, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, and, P and I don't think we tend to think of them as a trio like we do Kirk, Spock and McCoy. Right, yeah. yeah. No, we don't. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so 
Um, we're going to go do our wee round, um, round robin thing, and we're going to go with Amy first. What is your first pick for your favorite Riker badass moment? Okay, so first, I want to say my thoughts on Riker because yeah, we okay. we don't oh, really get to okay, talk about him too much. Um, I love him. Well, in part because you know he's Troy's Imzadi. Yansadi. Um, <laughs> but I really like his character and I he's really strong in the first few seasons. And then once, you know, the Picard and Data show took off, he didn't have as many Riker centered episodes. But um, I really do like his character and what he brings. And, you know, he's sometimes so hot headed um, which only accentuates Picard's cool levelness, you know. Mm. So I, it was fun to think about, you know, when is Riker badass? And so the first one, <laughs> well, I don't know. I have so many, um, but I'm going to start with Measure of a Man because mm-hmm. I think that is a very strong uh, part that he plays in the whole courtroom drama scene because he has to you know sort of tell the reasons why data is property of starfleet and he is just this android and you know when he switches data off like at the end of his whole thing i mean he removes his arm and he and then he's like pinocchio is broken its strings have been cut and i'm just like that He's seriously badass because he did his job to the best of his ability. And even though he didn't like it, like that takes true integrity and character for him to do that because he knows if he doesn't, then the, uh, what's her name? Lavoie. Yeah. Lavoie is just going to unilaterally make the decision against Mm -hmm. data. And so he, I think really shows his character here And I mean, and he even uses the word its strings have been cut like, Mm -hmm. ooh, that is cold. That is harsh. And to me, very badass. Yeah, Amy, this was actually on my longer list. I I mean, actually, as I was making my list, I was surprised it came up with so many. Um, But I think it's a it's a really great choice for for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, I think, as we've said on some of these episodes before, Badass doesn't mean you're just going in with phasers blazing, you know, blowing away somebody, right? It can be anything that that maybe takes a lot of courage or is difficult to do. I think the actual like dictionary definition is tough and uncompromising. And I feel like Riker, when he knows that he has to make this case for data being the property of Starfleet, that he needs to do it in the best way he can. So he does all of the research, and even in his presentation, he is just doing it to the best of his ability. He's really tough about it. He just kind of pulls no punches. And then it's kind of interesting, like while he's there, he's making this really persuasive, effective case that later Picard says, like, he almost convinced me. And then he sits down and you see him kind of like collapse a little bit. He slumps a little bit and he does his thing where he puts like his hand over his face, like, I can't believe I just did that. But Mm -hmm. like in the moment, he's totally and completely focused on that, even if it takes something out of him. So yeah, it's a great pick. That is a good pick, and I kind of, when I thought of it, I discounted it because my, I suppose, my interpretation of badass was to think um, that a character's doing something that's like really badass, but that makes you like them more. 
hmm. um, something that's really cool. Um, and Riker doing that was just like, no, it's, I, and I totally, I think you've sold it to me, Amy. Um, he's he's doing his duty and he's doing a really good job at it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it must be really, really difficult for him yeah. because Data is, is, is a really close friend and colleague. Um, so yeah, I like that pick. Yeah, and the, well and the other Amy. thing, like as I think about it, you know, when he says at the end, of, of that presentation, like you said, like Pinocchio is broken, its strings are cut. I don't think about it too much, but it is kind of a callback to Encounter at Farpoint where, yeah, where Riker says like, you know, nice to meet you, Pinocchio, <laughs> when they're mm-hmm. having this conversation. And like, he's actually calling back to like a moment of introduction and friendship in order to kind of cut away at that in order to make this defense, but at the same time, try to like preserve what he wants for data. I mean, I think it's a very complex thing and he pulls it off like perfectly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Well, that's tough. Justin, what's your first pick? First pick? Yeah. So I guess like both of you all talk about Riker a little bit. So, I mean, I think I've always liked Riker and I think you're right for the most part, he, there is more for him to do early on as opposed to, to later. But like, as I went through it, I found picks in most of, of the seasons. Mm-hmm. And I think, Riker is someone who is a good Starfleet officer, you know, has integrity, is going to do the right thing if he can, is going to do his his duty if it's at all possible. Um, and he's a strong and resilient person, which apparently you need in Starfleet because of all the bizarre things that happen to you, right? So that goes a little bit into my first pick. So my first pick is actually from the episode The Host. So this is the one, the first time that we see the trill, we see Odan that has the symbiont doing the negotiations and all of that, but like something happens and he dies and someone needs to take on the symbiont so the negotiations can continue. I just want to read like a little bit of of, of dialogue. So, I mean, Picard is at first saying like, you know, we need Odan, the situation's really bad. And and Riker kind of suddenly says, Doctor, could a human host carry him? And Crusher says, I believe so. From Odan's description of the process, it should be possible, but I don't have. And then Riker cuts her off and says, then I volunteer. Crusher says, there's been no precedent for a human host. I couldn't guarantee what might happen. And Picard says, the risk is too great, Commander. And then Riker says, weigh it against the prospect of war. And Picard says, it's your choice, Will. And Riker says, let's get to it. So like, he, this is something he doesn't have to do. Right. But but he's thinking like, okay, we're in the situation where war might break out. There might be casualties. People might die. What can I do to contribute? And he, you know, very quickly says, hey, is it possible for a human to do it? If so, I volunteer like I, I need to do this. It's really important. And I think that's difficult because he doesn't know what the consequences will be. He doesn't know if he'll be permanently injured or he'll die or he won't be able to do the negotiations in the same way. Like he has never done this, doesn't know how, how it works. But I think it's very badass of him to be like, no, I'm going to do this. Let's do it. You know, because even if I have to sacrifice myself, it's, it's important so that there's not a war. What do you guys think? Do you know what he's thinking about at that, in that moment? He's oh, thinking no. that the, then what? No, I, th- I think I know Why where you're going. No, no? Go ahead. He's thinking. He's thinking it's not. a way to a roundabout way to romance Beverly. No, okay, good. I was not thinking about that at all. Yeah, Justin, fine. Mm. Um, Here, go ahead. He was thinking that the the needs of the many uh, outne- outweigh the needs of the few or the Riker. I, oh, oh. <laughs> oh boy! But I he was. I I am shamed because you were talking about the nobility mm-hmm. of sacrifice, and I was talking about Riker trying to. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
needs of the right. I've ruined your joke. I'm, I'm so sorry. It's fine. It wasn't a joke. It was a serious point. <laughs> it was you that was trying to make the joke. Well, Justin, so that is a really good pick. Thank you, Amy. That was, yes, let me uh, <laughs> round this Let's back. get more serious. Okay. Um, yeah. But no, that was on my longer picks, my longer list as well. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because I do think it's very important that he like volunteers and he's, he's going to take this risk, has no idea. We've never had a trill in a human before. So it's, I think, really awesome. So thank you. And he doesn't even hesitate. It's not no. like he's like, mm, let me think about it. He's like, I volunteer. Let's do it. And he's insistent. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's pretty great. Cool. So my first pick. I, I, do you know what I was thinking about there? I was wondering if we're going to have the same picks at any point. And I, so far we haven't. So far we haven't. Well, when I do these things, I try to think about the more obvious ones and then I move them later to see if you guys pick yes. them. And then I try to think of ones that might be less obvious. So I try and think of the ones that Justin and Amy won't think about. Yeah, we'll see if Anyways. that works. Yeah, sometimes it so, hasn't. <laughs> true. So to my first pick, um, this is from season three, episode eight, The Price. <gasps> and um, Riker, have I picked yours, Amy? No. Well, have I? I've oh, got no. that okay, episode, we'll but yes, go ahead. Okay. So there's a point in 10 Forward mm-hmm. where um, the human negotiator, Ral, his name is, mm-hmm. he comes in and asks if he can join um, Commander Riker for a drink. And there's a point, Ral's just kind of really obnoxious. I really don't like the man. He says to Commander Riker that basically um, where I'm going to win this contract for the Barzan wormhole and I'm going to win Deanna. And (laughs) Riker, Riker responds to him and says, that's the first bad play I've seen you make. If you can bring happiness into Deanna's life, nothing would please me more. You know, you're really not such a bad sort, Ral, except you don't have any values beyond the value of today's bid. That is, Deanna is just the woman to bring some meaning to your sorry existence. (laughs) If you're smart enough to take it, I doubt that you are um, to the last mile. Riker then finishes finishes a drink and leaves, but leaves the pad there. It's just it's mm. just kind of cutting. He just kind of cut the legs out from under him and yeah. just left him there. I, I feel like if if he had a mic, he'd drop it right there because he just totally he a total mic drop. Gets yeah. to the core of of Rawl and who he is and all this kind of slimy way that he that he does things. It's so perfect. Yeah, it's macho sliminess, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and by the way, he's. Uh, Rawl isn't just human, he's part Betazoid, right? Mm-hmm. Which oh, he yes, does use yes. in the negotiation. But no, that is, mm-hmm. I, you know what? Like that, it didn't even come up on my list. I didn't think about it, but it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank that you. is on my list. So thank uh, you, Joe. Um, I'm sorry, Amy. Yeah, and so that was why I'm wearing my Deanna shirt because I just, <laughs> I love that, you're right, he's negotiating and Rawl is trying to goat Riker into making a mistake or t- and trying to take it to a personal level, you know, to try and gain an advantage. So we definitely see where he's going. And so he's using his relationship with Deanna to try and get Riker to make a mistake or to get emotional and mm-hmm. to, you know, go off the cuff. And Riker totally, you know, just switches it. And it's like, and again, shows how mature their relationship is and how solid it is. And it's like, 
you know, basically I love Deanna. And if this is what's going to make her happy, then I am all for it, which is a badass, awesome move. And he doesn't let Rawl get under his skin. He's not falling for the bait and he's going to stay objective at all you know, all costs. So it is a great moment that was on my pick. One thing that I was going to say is it's interesting the language Riker uses. That's the first bad play that you've made because it's clear that he's, he's almost been thinking about the whole thing like a poker game. Well, Uh, and they, they started earlier in the episode with poker. Yeah. 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 So it's pretty great. I suppose it is like a game because like negotiations, you want to play your cards close to your chest and not see, let your adversary see what, what you've got to offer. I suppose um, I was there is a a version of that scene on YouTube and there's a really cool comment and um, somebody's commented on the scene um, the epilogue 13 years later Riker sends him a wedding invitation troll level 9000 oh god <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. So. That that uh, deleted scene from Nemesis where they're making out the invitation. Yeah. Like, I'm going to send one to Rawl. <laughs> cool. All the people love, we don't like. Love yeah. that you're digging through YouTube comments to get analysis. That's pretty cool. Oh, and that's, you know what? That's, that's what we do. <laughs> that's what you do. Okay, so round two, we've already had three really good badass Riker moments. Um, and Amy, what is your second pick? All right. Well, I'm going to... Uh, go a little more lighthearted and total badass Riker, the best ever dating advice when he in the dolphin is telling Wesley, (laughs) (laughs) right, how to pick up a girl and him and Guinan go through this beautiful exchange, like, Riker, he's the guy to go to for advice. You don't go to Jordy. No, 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 no. You don't go to Worf. So Wesley finally does get to Riker and goes through. And I just absolutely love it. Do you think I have time to read it? Yeah. Yes. Will we take shots each? Do you want to be Guinan? Okay, I will be Guinan. Okay, and I'll be Riker. Now, the first words words out of your mouth are the most important. You may want to start with something like this. You are the most beautiful woman in the galaxy, but that might not work. Yes, yes it would. You don't know how long I've longed to tell you that. But you were afraid? Yes. Of me? Of us. Of what we might become. Or that you might think it was a line. Maybe I do think it's a line. Then you think I'm not sincere? I didn't say that. There's nothing wrong with the line. It's like knocking at the door. Then you're inviting me in? I'm not sending you away. That's more than I expected. Is it as much as you hoped? To hope is to recognize a possibility. I had only dreams. Dreams can be dangerous. Not these dreams. I dream of a galaxy where your eyes are the stars and the universe worships the night. Careful, putting me on a pedestal so high you might not be able to reach me. Then I'll learn how to fly. You're the heart of my day and the soul in my night. That's all I like. Oh, oh, that's amazing. It is. Great job, guys. Good job. Well done. <laughs> But I mean, so that's just awesome. Riker is so smooth. It's it's perfect. So so the badass part of it is that he's smooth, or what, what do you see it as? Oh yeah, and that he he knows. I mean, 
Some guys just aren't very good (laughs) at picking up, you know, other people. And so I love that he has this confidence that comes through, you know, and it's just, it's totally awesome. It's badass. I, oh my gosh. Okay. It's, it's really cheesy. It is. Um, but I kind of get, it could be, but the way that they play it, I don't think is. Yeah. I think it no, I think it's played meant to be cheesy. Like the the and what is it? The universe worships the night. Your eyes are the stars and I dream of a galaxy, blah blah blah. That's I think Guinan's really enjoying it. I don't think Yes. It's, Tell me more about that. my eyes. <laughs> no, <laughs> it works. It's it's Yeah, awesome. no, it Shut totally up, does work. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um okay, cool. yeah, very interesting pick. And it was great to just sit back and uh, watch you guys read it. Enjoy the performance. Mm. Mm. nice okay justin what is your second pick okay so for my second pick i mean uh maybe there's a theme developing here in my pick so far but Mm -hmm. uh it's from the episode schisms so Mm. in this episode which is with the click 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 aliens uh so you know Riker is being taken from his bed a lot of nights and he's losing sleep he's also had his arm uh, severed and reattached <laughs> during the night. Yep. Um, but these aliens are trying to get into, you know, our universe or the Enterprise's realm, and they have to do something about it. <laughs> and and basically, you know, there's this discussion about about what to do about it. Um, I, and I think that uh, actually Worf ends up coming up with the idea of like a, a homing device to find out where it is in subspace. So let me read a little bit. So LaForge says, that's a good idea, but there's no way to get that device to the source. Riker says, yes, there is. Give it to me. They've taken me for the last few nights. If I'm right, the same thing will happen tonight. And then LaForge explains how it'll work um, when they send him back. And then Troy says, if they send him back. Ensign Rager still hasn't been returned. And Riker says, they're going to take me whether I want to go or not. So it's another one of those things where there's danger. I mean, not only that, but like they've already done something horrific to him. And and he's he says like, you know, they're going to take me anyway. But he's taking this big risk. I mean, it, and also before he goes to sleep and then he wakes up and he's like, oh, man, I'm really tired. But in this case, like he's awake as he's like being pulled through this portal, right? And then he has to be in this weird realm that doesn't know what the aliens can do he has to pretend that to be um asleep or unconscious and then he rescues himself and and rager i mean i think it's like a super badass thing that that he is basically been mistreated by these aliens but he's like let me go ahead and do it i'm the best person to do it because they seem to want to take me by the way like why do they want to keep taking riker right like i don't know there's something a little weird about that but well they kept taking all of them Night after night? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. But he seems more tired than most. <laughs> but but, but yeah, I, I just love it that, again, he's just volunteering for something that's really dangerous but is is going to be of benefit not only to the ship but, you know, maybe the whole quadrant or the whole federation because these aliens might be really dangerous. So I think it's pretty great. Like you said, that's very similar to your previous example because there's a, there's badassery in his selflessness. Mm-hmm. He's doing it for the the good of the the crew to save them from being abducted, and that is an amazing Halloween episode. It's so creepy and gives yeah. me chills. <laughs> really yeah, is. I love how insistent he is, and it's like you know, and he lays out an argument as to why he's the best choice. They're going to take me, and I can do this, and yeah, definitely badass. Cool. Cool. 
So to my second pick, and I can't really decide, can I go with season five, episode 17, which is The Outcast? Okay. Mm, okay. Yes. And there's a bunch of points throughout the episode that kind of really kind of almost resonated with me, kind of struck a nerve. And it's like, it's different from what I said at the beginning, where Riker's very alpha. I don't think his alpha-ness is kind of diminished in this episode because he's fallen in love with an androgynous species. Um, that neither, that it's, it's not the typical woman that Riker would normally go for because he's the Kirk of TNG. I suppose so. Oh no, I was going to say, would you call them androgynous or genderless? I suppose they've got androgynous features, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And they are what are they? They are gender genderless, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So I suppose they're about both. They kind of interesting. Just curious. Don't really conf- yeah. yeah, I suppose either word fit. Well, I suppose both word words fit. Um, and I like the. F- I think I like the fact that I don't know if it's particularly badass, but the way he fights. For the character whose name yeah. is Soren, 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 but not yeah. not the Soren from Generations, not yeah. the Soren. Different spelling as well. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit um, in the courtyard at the end where he's beamed down with Worf mm. to try and rescue her from um, having horrible psychotactic treatments. I think it is they yeah, call it. Yeah. And he gets her and says, um, "Wait." Um, she says, wait. And he's like, don't worry, we'll be here in a minute. Um, and Soren says, oh, please don't. And it turns out that she's been, she's already had the treatments and right. she doesn't want to go because she's been converted into what is normal for her species, which is really sad and he's kind of broken up about it. And the fact that he's going against orders not to, it's kind of going against the prime directive not to interfere. It's for, it's for the good of this one person. Yeah, this is where this is not following the good of the many. No. Yeah, because he really gets emotional and he's breaking, like you said, prime directive and direct orders. And yeah, that takes some badassery to do that and to go against because we know how loyal and, you know, he is to Picard and believes in the prime directive and and Starfleet and everything. And so to go against it, he definitely had to feel that passionately about it. So, yeah, great pick. Because he saw he saw the injustice in the situation. Mm-hmm. He thought, this isn't right. I have to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's a good pick. Although sometimes when I watch the episode, I wonder, like, what was Riker's plan after that? Was it that, that um, Soren would request asylum and that they'd have to take her because of that maybe i don't know they don't really get into it but yeah i think it is a yeah a really interesting contrast where he's thinking i think he's thinking about two things he's thinking about i love this person and i don't want to see them hurt and like he's thinking about that person like this is an injustice it's not right that this society is is doing this to to a person but of course it gets into some difficult you know questions which is that's how their society operates and in Starfleet, you're supposed to not interfere in that. But what happens if you see something that's an injustice? I mean, effectively, before Soren was saying, like, this isn't right, and you know, maybe suggesting that that she wanted out of it. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a very thought-provoking episode for for sure, and it's interesting. I hadn't really thought of. You've picked two so far that I hadn't really thought about at all. Good job, Joe. <laughs> Hmm. Well, thank you. I think maybe the reason it resonated for me was because, like, as a gay man, mm-hmm. the, um, 
gay conversion therapies are still used in countries around the world and there's still places in yeah. Western society or people in Western society that would still like them to be used um, because they think homosexuality is an entirely wrong um, yeah. and unholy, I suppose. Uh, definitely. And I, I think the episode was, was meant to, in a certain way, talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, in the way, I guess, that they could at the time. Yeah. Round three. Amy. Your third pick, please. Okay, so I'm, for my final pick, uh, I'm going to choose the Pegasus, but there's for two different reasons. So Mm -hmm. what I found was pretty darn badass was in the Pegasus, we learn that when Riker is, you know, under Captain Pressman and there is a mutiny on the ship and Riker stands up and supports Pressman. Like, even though everyone's, you know, trying to mutiny and going against Pressman, like, he is loyal and true. And he even says, you know, it's like, I had this this idea of duty, loyalty, honor, obedience ringing in his ears because he was just fresh out of the academy. And so he has all of these ideas, and so he is sticking with Pressman no matter what. And so I think that takes a lot of courage to stand up to a crew that wants to, you know, mutiny and and go against the captain. So I really appreciate it for that. Then on the flip side, he is absolutely badass when he does recognize his mistake in supporting Pressman and, you know, trying to support getting this cloaking device, basically. And he he realizes his error and, you know, goes to Picard and makes that leap of faith in Picard that Picard's going to, you know, be with him and understand the situation. And he, again, is insistent that he gets taken into custody and appears before the Board of Inquiries because he knows what his part was originally. And I just think both of those, you know, when he was younger and now when he's older and more seasoned, that he is totally badass in in sticking up for what he believes in and trying to do what is right. So I have the Pegasus for that. That's a really good pick, Amy. Mm. He's put in a really, really, really difficult position, isn't he? He's got this order from an admiral like this. He's essentially signed a non-disclosure agreement, never to speak about um, the details of what happened. And then his beloved Captain Picard is basically giving him an ultimatum. And I've always find it really interesting that these conversations always take place in the captain's quarters. So it feels like more, it's like off the book, like you have to tell me. Um, It won't go any further unless it has to. Um, But I really need to know. Yeah, it's a great pick. And it sounds like it's kind of like initially, even in supporting Pressman, he was kind of badass, but then turning against him, he was as well, which I think I hadn't really thought about it that way. I think that's really great. And yeah, he's putting his career on the line and he's like, well, this is what he's doing. And there's a piece of technology on this ship. And it's like, you ended your career. It's like, well, (laughs) you know, it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's put in a really tough situation between someone who's a higher ranking officer and has to do with a secretive thing and his commanding officer. And he finds a way at the right time, I think, to resolve it. So, yeah, that's a great pick. I suppose if he didn't do what he did back then on the Pegasus, he might not still be alive because he would be kind of embedded on an asteroid somewhere. Yeah. Possibly. Uh, or 
that mm -hmm. happens. Well, let me think about this. Would that have happened before or after he was split into Thomas Riker and Will Riker? Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I was just trying to think, even if Will Riker was embedded there, would Thomas Riker have still been around? So I would say this happened before because when the Thomas thing was on the hood, which came after uh, Pressman, because this was just right after his Starfleet Academy. So you're right. He would have been gone and we would have never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> if that was the case, it would have been someone else who was on the Pegasus, um, Commander Johnson or something. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody or else. maybe there would have been maybe there would have been nobody to support Pressman, and mm. yeah. the crew would have mutinied, and the events of the Pegasus would never have happened, and it would never have been lost, mm -hmm. possibly. And they would have been caught for trying to um, use a face cloaking device in a Federation starship. Hmm. And then we wouldn't have these or the voyages, and Enterprise wouldn't have their wonderful last season. Amy, you've stolen my thunder. That was my third pick was These Are the Voyages. Really? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but when we got to my third pick, I was going to make a joke that it was from These Are the Voyages. It's so badass that he's the chef on the holodeck yeah. and he resolves the thing in the Pegasus, but you stole my... That's fine. Yeah. I, I can't pick These Are the Voyages. Uh, hmm. okay. You're not allowed. <laughs> okay, so Justin, your third and final pick, please. Make it a good one. Okay. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it. It's funny that we mentioned these are the voyages because I, I also thought like he's in Voyager too. He's in Death Wish, but that's not really badass him just coming and giving some testimony and forgetting about stuff. But <clears throat> I had left some back that I was thinking like these are picks that people would really think about. Um, and now I'm trying to think which one that I should choose because they're both really good. Really good. Oh, 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 oh. Um, okay. I think it's going to have to be from the season one episode, Conspiracy. Mm. Because toward mm -hmm. the end of that episode, I just love it so much that, that you know, you see, I think at some point you see Riker, he's in sick bay because this, <laughs> this admiral who's been taken uh, over by this parasite has, has kind of <laughs> beaten him up. Um and and it makes you think the first time you see the episode that he's been taken over by by a parasite, um, and then I think you know he he beams down and he, and I just want to read some of this because I think it's just so great how how Riker plays this. Um, so you know when Riker comes in and there's this banquet and you know he knows that there's something wrong with with these people. Picard says, Riker, thank God we're leaving, and Riker says, you're not going anywhere. You'll be one of us soon. Uh, and then another character says, you were meant for the doctor. And Riker says, it couldn't be helped. Riker walked in on us unexpectedly, which is kind of what you're led to believe before. And he just does it like so convincingly. And you're thinking, oh, did he did he get taken over? What's what's happening? What's what's going on? And it just kind of, it keeps going on for a little while where, where he's, you know, pretending that he's one of them. And Picard's asking like, what race are you? And you know, Riker's saying you'll understand soon, Picard. Like he's playing, like Jonathan Frakes is the actor and Riker is the character is really playing it well to try to, to convince them um, of this. And, you know, basically it comes down to they have these worms that they're they're eating and, you know, they're telling him to eat them and he just takes a handful and he's like, oh, should I eat them? And then he brings out his phaser and just starts stunning them and it leads to the end. So there's just something 
about that where he just kind of hatches this plan or maybe hatches it with with crusher but to to be able to really convincingly make it seem like he's taken over in order to take them by surprise and help to win the day so that was actually the first one that came to mind when i was thinking about this topic there is that's a really good pick justin there if you watch the fight scene between the Admiral <laughs> yeah. and Riker in the Admiral's quarters, yeah. it's really obvious that it's a stunt double yep. playing Riker. Yeah, like, <laughs> so kick. that is that. Yes, it's even just it doesn't look anything like him. You know um, what? It, you're you're right. But that fight scene is one of my favorite things in Star Trek because I think it is the only time when because I think what happens is Geordi comes in and you know the the admiral like kicks him or something and he like falls through the doors and the doors just like completely collapse outside into the corridor and there's just something about that that's like whoa this guy is super strong but also like did they expect that would happen <laughs> or, or whatever so but yeah like that that scene is and and also there's some scenes in other episodes where you see you know Picard is punching somebody and if you look really quickly it's clear it's a mm-hmm. stunt double, but I kind of love that. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's also the episode where we get to see Remick's head explode. Which it, is, it is that one. Conspiracy is the it. episode that if people think that more recent Star Trek is like taking things too far, look at what Conspiracy was doing in like 1988. That's crazy. And it made it on and it's probably gorier than, you know, 99% of the rest of Star Trek. But anyway, but yeah, I, it, it's such a different episode, but it's a it's a great episode. And I know, Amy, we talked we had a whole episode where we talked about it. Yeah. So uh, that is a really good pick, Justin. And I like that you bring up like Riker really plays it very well because you are guessing, you know, it's like, is Riker under this control? You know, what's happening? And it when you were talking, it reminded me of Gambit. And when Riker gets beamed aboard and sees Picard, man, he has to just play it cool and, you know, sort of go along with what's going on there. And so he's a great actor to go along with the flow and yeah, great pick. And and he is. And like the crazy thing is Patrick Stewart of course is an amazing actor, but Picard the character is not as good of an actor as Riker the character because yes. in Gambit also like Picard is like really kind of overplaying it, which which I kind of love. But but like Jonathan Frakes playing Riker, and I think it's written that way sometimes, is like better at being an actor and like keeping them guessing than Picard as a character actually is. Mm-hmm. And I think Patrick Stewart kind of plays it that way. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, I totally don't understand what you mean. So what I mean is like if you just go in universe and think about Riker and Picard in situations where they have to act in a way that isn't like actually the way they do, like they're acting a part. Yeah, Riker is Picard actually more is being Galen, you yeah. know, and so he's Riker acting. is actually more convincing yeah. than than Picard as playing, another character. Playing the part, okay, I said, okay, I get you. Yeah. It's that poker thing, isn't it? He's yes. got a really good poker face. Yes. He can play it. But I just think it's needed. I think it's funny because I think Jonathan Frakes is a great actor, but Patrick Stewart is like on this other level. But as the characters, it's like it kind of mm-hmm. it shifts a little bit. That's, no, I get, I get yeah. you. I think um, Picard is very fixed in a lot of ways mm-hmm. in terms of his the character of Picard um which maybe doesn't allow him to kind of venture out and be other people yeah mm. mm, there's a thought interesting I like it so my last pick um I think I have to go with season two episode eight which is a matter of honor yes mm. okay good 
Oh, cool. Um, which is where Kern, they do the Klingon officer exchange program and Riker goes over to the, the Pach, the Klingon ship, and Kern comes across to the Enterprise for a little swap. So there's two points where Riker's pretty cool. Where he's in ten forward uh, Joe, first off. Those are yes. that's a different episode where Kern comes over. Right. Oh no, what matter? No. no, no, a matter of honor is just Riker going to the Klingon ship. Yeah. And Kern comes over. Oh and, yeah, okay, yeah. right. Okay, I'm going to start that again. They it's do kind of part the first two. part of the exchange. they do the first part of the exchange, then later on, yes. they do the second part of the exchange. Yeah. Oh right, okay. I've just mashed them up to one. That's episode. okay. We'll call it okay. a, ma- gonna... a matter of sins of the father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A uh, matter of sins of the honourable father. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah, my, um, this matter of honour, my pick was, um, what you f- I'm sorry, I've totally, totally flustered you. you. I know, you, no, it's <laughs> fine, it's fine. I've got it. So the first bit is where Riker's preparing to go over and he's in 10 yeah. forward and he's sampling all the Klingon delicacies. And you can recognise some of them, there's some, there's some octopus tentacles and other um, delicacies. But he's got like Pippius Claw and he's got Heart of Targ and he's um he's got Gach and he's just he's relishing yeah. the the experience of tasting all these Klingon things in preparation because he's a consummate professional and he wants to do a really good job when he goes over to the Klingon ship. Um so there's something very badass about um just kind of taking the challenge on board yeah. and trying all these things which would turn any normal human's stomachs normally. Yeah, you know what's funny about that is like when he's in 10 forward, he's totally relishing it and he's totally into it. But then when he's on the Klingon ship in the mess hall, he's much more subdued about it, right? It would have expected that he would have been like, ah, <laughs> you know, in the same way, but he's much more s- subdued. Is, is he? Yeah. I think I think that he is, and and even he I don't know maybe he's feigning it, but he's kind of like I don't know about some of this stuff in one of the scenes, but but he's totally relishing it uh, on the enterprise. Maybe maybe it's fresh like Federation replicated stuff that's not been lying in a, mm-hmm. a barrel it's, it's for not actually three years so or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. True, um, but I, yeah, I love that, and the there. whole everything that he does in that episode when he's on the Klingon ship is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm taking your points. No, it's, it's all right. Um, then there's a bit where he's on the Klingon ship and the Klingon captain, Cargan, uh, wants details of how to beat the Enterprise because he's got it in his head that the Enterprise has damaged the Pach in some way and um, he wants to get their own back. So he basically asks Riker, um, you've made an oath to me. Um, tell me how to attack the Enterprise. And Riker says, I won't. And he was like, it's a matter of honour, you must um, you must be loyal to your oath. Riker says, I will not surrender the secrets of the Enterprise. I will not break any vow I have taken in the past. I have also taken an oath um, of loyalty to your ship, and I will not break that either. Cargan says, they are in conflict. And Riker says, no, um, sir, they are not. I will obey your orders. I will serve this ship as first officer. And then in an attack against the Enterprise, I will die along with this crew. But I will not break my oath of loyalty to Starfleet. Which is, is kind of... He's found a way to justify following both oaths yeah. without breaking either of them, which I think is pretty badass. For sure, yeah. 
It is. That's, so those are my two points. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Joe, that's really good. And I'm just going to tag on because I had this as my honorable mention. Um, but when he's in the Klingon uh, mess hall and, you know, talking and they're exchanging food and stuff and the women are like eyeballing him and it's like the one Klingon guy is like, well, they're curious how you would endure. And so Riker just totally doesn't even back, back down. Is like, one or both. I mean, come on. I love that. That's a badass. Yeah. You know, I, you can't intimidate me. I'm going mm-hmm. to, you know, stand up and, and take all that you got and give it right back. So, yeah. and, he, and he makes them laugh, which is something I think that doesn't tend to be appreciated. Maybe even before this episode, like, well, okay. Day of the Dove, they laugh, but whatever. It's under the influence. But, but yeah, like it, he knows that for this situation, if he makes them laugh, they'll trust him more and accept yep. him more. So it really works. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of real. Riker's really good at one-upmanship. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, is that what you're serving me? I'm going to serve one higher because I am that good because I am Riker. Yeah, that's good. I am the Riker. Uh, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> that was a good three rounds and uh, we only had one um, double pick. I think that was, that was awesome. Guys, thank you for that. We'll have some honourable mentions just now. Yes. Amy, would, do you have any honourable mentions you would like to Okay, mention? so the one that I have, best of both worlds, fire. That's oh. the ultimate oh. badass Riker moment. He yeah. is mm-hmm. willing to lose Picard. He is willing to fire on the Borg cube. Like, that is the ultimate badass Riker. Yeah, you're right. Mm. I had that. I had that as well. Good choice, Justin. Do you have one? Um, I have more than one, so I might go through them quick, go f- quickly. Go for but it. but it's interesting you mentioned that because Amy, I had one from Best of Both Worlds Part Two, <laughs> mm. because you know he's having such difficulty in that episode. You know, Picard is gone. He's a Borg. You know, what do I do? And he has this this talk with with Guinan where she ends up saying, you know, we'll throw the book out. You know, and then shortly after that. He comes up with this amazing rescue plan that that has to do with, um, I, I guess, a couple of different things: the saucer separation and the antimatter charges, or whatever they are. And then uh, I think it's uh, Worf and Data in the shuttlecraft while they're being distracted. So he comes up with a great plan in order to um, to, to rescue Picard. So I actually, f- funny enough, thought of Best of Both Worlds Part Two before Part One. But you're right, Amy. That is like the ultimate. Riker moment like if I have to I love him but I'm gonna kill Picard if needed Um, a couple other that I had one is from peak performance which is where they're doing the the war games and I love that he has this like broken down ship and like he is known for being the one who does unusual tactics Mm -hmm. I think the only reason I didn't actually put it on my list was it's mostly I think because he kind of inspires this element of like oh let's Wesley goes over and maybe cheats a little bit and you know there are some other things that they're doing as tricks like Worf using his security codes and stuff like that but there's something about it that's very badass like his his leadership style um also another one on my list was could I go ahead Justin could I pick you up on that I don't think that's cheating I think they used their their skills to their advantage um, no, it was because cheating. it's a, stra- it's a, well, it's a strategy says, exercise. Wes, Wes, you cheated, and then he was like, "Well, you know." I don't think. 
But and I don't think he did because it's a strategy. You're going to use everything in your arsenal, and if that means going over to the enterprise to steal something, so that which you can was win. against the rules. Yeah. So and mm. he did it knowingly, so Joe, and he did it, yeah. you know, as a guise. Joe, mm. if one of your students found a strategy to get the answers, uh, would you would call it cheating, <laughs> right? Thank you. <laughs> found a strategy to get this. Hmm. Mm. It's interesting. <laughs> it's is that a strategy or is that? Well, you're calling what Wesley did a strategy. <laughs> I think in war games are different to setting a okay, test. That's okay. I'll sure. school. give you that. There, yeah. there you go, students. It's not the same. Uh, <laughs> Still cheating. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So another. Uh, let me go through a few other quick ones. So another one was future imperfect. I just kind of like how he's he's in this weird situation. And he's able to put together the pieces and figure it out, even though there's like a couple different levels there. So I like that. And it didn't quite make it on my main list because the uh, kind of child alien who's doing this is kind of slips up a little bit. But I still like how he puts everything together. I mean, one that that definitely could have made it my top three is Frame of Mind. I mean, he goes through so much, but he makes it through to the other side, which is which is really badass. So I thought of like the whole episode for that. So. There's some honorable mentions. Cool. I had a future imperfect as well. I like the little scene with the alien or Ethan um, at the very end, and Riker says, um, "Well, Ethan says my name is Barash," and Riker says, "To me, you'll always be Jean-Luc." Yeah. Mm. Then they beam up to the Enterprise and he rescues him from being on that lonely that planet. Nice. What happens to Barash afterwards? Uh, it's um, it's in a novel. Um, I don't know if it is. Ugh, okay. At least not I'm one, just guessing. one, that, was one that I've read. True, there's, and there's but, quite a few uh, of them. Yeah. So my, the only um, honourable mention that I really have left is in Nemesis, which I rewatched Ooh. last week, where he fights the Riemann Viceroy. Mm. I think Riker has met his hand-to-hand combat match at that point because there's fear in his face. He thinks he's going to die. And I figure if they had... If they filmed Nemesis now, Riker would have died because it would have been a really good juxtaposition with he's just got married to Troy and then Troy's lost her new husband. Mm. And instead of Data being dead, and it was a bit of a cop-out, Data dies, then they've still got before. An actual character, a loved character. Riker dies, they've died. still got Thomas Riker. <laughs> No, Thomas Riker's, I'm sure, dead, unless it's been in a novel. It has, and he's still alive. Because he went to the Maquis, and then the Dominion wiped out the Maquis, didn't they? Yeah, yeah but at least Saudi in the novels, too. He's, he's still alive. Yep. Ugh, okay. Sorry. Look at me and throwing that... out a book reference. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know you could read. Hey. Oh, boy. I was kidding on. Mm-hmm. It was an audio book. <laughs> so anyway, so from... Maybe I wasn't following because I was thinking about it. So, So from Nemesis... Oh, sorry. The the just the whole fight scene with uh, the the viceroy okay. is is kind of vicious. He gets he gets slashed across the kind of the torso, mm. doesn't he? And it, that's when you see the fear in his face, and he's fighting for his life because Remans were used as shock troops in the Dominion War against the Federation, and they're just pretty vicious, bigger, stronger, badder people. Okay. And he's doing everything, and then they get stuck on that. That bread, the walkway over the yeah. over the big yeah. long tunnel with a light at the end, and then the viceroy falls to his death. 
That's that's an interesting pick because, you know, I love Nemesis, but that is the one part of the show that I think is the weakest. And I did think about that because okay. he is fighting the Viceroy and it's, you know, mano y mano. And, uh, but yeah, I didn't put it. So good job for bringing it up. Good pick. Thank you. It is a, it's a great pick. By the way, just circling back around, Barash has been in sure. some novels. Uh, one of the, the main one I guess that he's in, I just haven't read yet. It's a TNG novel called Losing the Peace. Haven't quite gotten there yet, mm. but interesting. I will find out shortly. <laughs> Do that. Real quick, final thoughts, please, people. Go, Amy. All right. This was so much. Okay. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> this was so much fun. And I love that we all have different choices and different reasons for, you know, choosing like him being you know, I'm going to save the many versus the one or the few and, and him making the sacrifice and him being flirty and fun. And I, it was really fun thinking about Riker because we just don't do it enough. So good job. Justin. Yeah, I, I agree, Amy. I don't think we talk about Riker enough. I think he's a great character. It's exciting that we'll see him on Picard, maybe making some new badass moments, but, um, yeah, it was really great. Like, as I thought about it, I was like, oh, I wonder if I'll just pick some obvious ones. But I don't think any of the ones I had were, were duplicates. And I think there are a lot of, like you were saying, Amy, circumstances where he's being selfless or willing to sacrifice himself. It was interesting that Joe picked a moment that was more about one person. So mm-hmm. he can think about, like, the broader whole, but he can also think about the individual and, and their needs and what they need, which is what he did for, for Data as well in The Measure of a Man. He was thinking about data as the individual, but also if there's a whole race of data is what that might be like, I think. Maybe Picard was more thinking about that. But anyway, he can think about it in a lot of different ways. And yeah. it just made me appreciate more. And we were talking about, you know, sometimes there are things where he's fighting or deception or acting or whatever. So I think he has quite a, a bit of range. And, you know, as much as I do love what we see in the next generation for, you know, Picard and, and Data especially, it would have been nice to have a little bit more for, for Riker because he's a great character. I think one thing about TNG is the, there's so much of it. And I think that's why we all found it really easy to pick our favourite moments. And while at the time Riker didn't really kind of strike a, a nerve with me, you guys have done a really good job about of explaining why he's such a badass character and picking some really good details out. Um, and TNG did a really good job of fleshing out fully formed characters and giving us lots to talk about. So, yeah, that was good fun. Thank you. Justin, I feel like we need a drum roll for this next bit. Don't, don't, uh, that's a, that's yeah, don't, fanfare. don't uh, build it up too much. <laughs> but we are excited that next week we will bring you our 300th episode of Earl Grey. So there was an idea I came up with, which is what would it have been like if TNG continued past seven seasons all the way to season 12, episode 20, which would be the 300th episode of The Next Generation? So I think we're going to think about some ideas in the next week and see what we can come up with. I think this is the first time the three of us have tried to write an episode, so we'll see what it's like. Maybe the first time Amy's tried to write an episode. Um, oh, I did it. yeah, I'm very, very scared. Oh, it'll it'll be fine. I did it once before um, with uh, with Brandon Shamatala and Star Trek author Una McCormack when we rewrote Shades of Grey. That was a lot of fun. Um, but I don't know if I've done it since. So anyway, think about... Uh, listeners what you might have wanted if there was a 300th episode of of the next generation 
And that would have been, I'm just approximating here, but I think it would have come out in March of 1999. Uh, so it would just be interesting to think about like TNG continuing and what that would have been like. So I think we're going to have fun. What do you guys think? I think the episode opens, fades from black on the main bridge and the turbo lift doors open and like an elderly Captain Jean-Luc Picard with his Zimmer frame kind of takes 20 minutes to get to his captain's chair. <laughs> And then the next scene happens. Mm. Joe, it's not taking place that far in the yeah. future, okay? <laughs> I went for the comedy. comedy I, I thought you were going to say, like, it opens and, you know, Picard's been on the Enterprise for 25 years and needs to write a mistake that happened 25 years before. I don't know. No, you but, know me. I'm going to go for the comedy. Okay. So it'll be hilariously dramatic but anyway i think we're looking forward to it well it's been so much fun talking about our favorite badass Riker moments but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network here is what you might have missed elsewhere on trek fm previously on trek.fm earl gray but good discussion like i love <laughs> you know talking about the science and joe i love that you bring it up justin i need to stop reading it i'm sorry i'm closing doing close my final window. thoughts close and the window, you're all justin. laughing over me joe you need to keep all of this, this in. is a, this is an intervention justin <laughs> okay close the window oh my gosh literary treks i talked to bob klein who i had interviewed for saturday morning trek um and he's like yeah come on over and let's go look through my garage and see what we find i'm like okay so I drive over there and I was greeted to two, you know, those fold out tables that you have for like picnics, two of those yeah. end to end with like three boxes, uh, larger than file boxes and uh, like moving boxes size and just papers and folders that all had filmation on it just brought out. Standard orbit. I bought it I, I, when it first came out. I played it for like two or three days. And I went, what is going on? Am I, am I missing something? Is is just I'm not a good player. So, and then I checked on the reviews online, and everyone agreed that it was not a good game, and we were all correct. And introducing our newest show, The Line, a Star Trek Picard podcast. I, I'm so honored that I was chosen to pick Picard, and as a Next Generation fan, I mean, he was one of my favorite characters, and. <laughs> So I wanted to, and I know how he is extra special to lots of Star Trek fans beyond even just being the character he played on the, on the series. And so I really felt a huge responsibility to try to give the fans something that, that was enjoyable but, and, and honored who he was, even though it was staying true to the fact that he is 20 years older. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest episodes as soon as they're published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show, and we'll read your review on the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. 
We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. All right, guys. So should we do what we promised to do at the top of the show to read this crazy AI-written next-generation script? Yes. Let's do it. So I guess I should explain, Joe, you were nice enough to break this down into the characters that we'll be playing. So do you want to uh, let our listeners know who we'll be doing? Okay. So Botnik Studios presents Star Trek The Next Generation, episode 279. Here's looking at Q. Joe Keegan as Captain Jean-Luc Picard and the narrator. Justin Ozer as Q. Commander William Riker, Wesley Crusher, and Commander Jordi LaForge. Amy Nelson as Lieutenant Commander Worf, Lieutenant Commander Deanna Troy, Chief Medical Officer Dr. Beverly Crusher, the Enterprise Computer, and Lieutenant Commander Data. Opening shot, the Enterprise heavily damaged in orbit around a family restaurant. Captain's Log, Stardate 48213.7. We have been involved in a damp and terrible battle. However, today is my birthday in space, so I'm going to have an elaborate cat food dinner with my friend Worf. Dining room of the family restaurant. Mr. Worf, I appreciate this present of clothes for my birthday, but as I am a boy, I need my, me my toys. Worf, you have disgraced my father with your words. Q falls out of the ceiling wearing cargo pants. Q. The time for me is here. Q. I see you have a concussion. I am immortal, Picard. I have hurt my head a very big number of time. Q takes a bite of his hand and then turns into a tractor. Tractor. (laughs) (laughs) I lost it already. Okay, tractor. This is from the past. (laughs) Fade out. Opening credits. Space. What is the point of it? You have no idea. This is the Enterprise, a big circle with a porch. I'm the Captain Picard. Come with me. The Enterprise zips and zaps at the screen for two hours. The bridge. Data enters carrying a large dessert, which she throws at the view screen. Riker, don't tell me what to eat, Lieutenant. Making a mess is not a crime, but what if it was? Data, is that a human metaphor, or would you please stop speaking with human feelings? Heavy German breathing is heard over the loudspeakers. (laughs) Are you going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) I apologize to all of Germany for what Joe's just did. (laughs) Riker, it's the Borg. Data, I do not believe that is correct. Riker, you think I need your help, Mr. Data? I'm the first officer to ever convince a planet to explode, and I look forward to doing it again. Data, Jack, Jack Membrane. Okay, Data, Jack Membrane is my name now. If you call me Data, I will perform a self-replicating dance until this ship is full of me. <laughs> Riker nods and carefully takes a tiny piece of cake another data enters carrying a swirling green casserole we're in engineering now Troy enters from a vent and starts singing to Geordi 
Jordy, you seem angry with me. Is it because of the nightmares I forced you to have? <laughs> I wondered if you'd sing. <laughs> Maybe LaForge should sing too. LaForge, nope. Just finishing up a modified laser scanner to give to my friend. He is the size of a particle, but he's still a pretty good person. Troy looks down at her empty stomach. <laughs> 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 Let me do this part. I'm going to act it. Okay. Troy looks down at her empty stomach and frowns telepathically. <laughs> oh, I wish. Listeners, could. you couldn't see it, but I did that. <laughs> oh, okay. LaForge. <laughs> Computer, locate a big thing of chips. <laughs> Computer. Quarters of Commander Riker, deck 50. LaForge. We can beam them over here to engineering and take samples. Then we could give them to the holodeck to make them into electricity like the computer wants. Affirmative. <laughs> Sick bay. Riker looks like he's fancy but unstable. Riker. Everything in sickbay is not good. <laughs> Dr. Crusher. Riker, have you seen my son? My instinct is he's going through body changes and I need to help him adjust his uniform. <laughs> Wesley decides to roll up with a couple of gorgeous crew members. <laughs> Wesley, my mom is a real pain in the rocks, I tell you what. Congratulations to the people who don't know her. Dr. Crusher, I should inject you with respect. Can I Ouch. do that? <laughs> Ensign Crusher, you need to make sure that I do fun drugs at parties. No one is going to listen to me if I don't know what's going down. Wesley... <laughs> Here, sir, is a serotonin coordinating sensor you could use to get bored all the time. <laughs> Riker turns it on and looks like fettuccine. Beverly <laughs> smiles at the stars. They are never sick. Oh. Back to the holodeck. Troy and Jordy enter the holodeck with chips and suspicion. <laughs> okay, LaForge, I don't know how to make this be on. <laughs> the holodeck becomes intensely Hawaiian. Security bears enter. They look good. Troy, enjoy the bland taste. Computer, we are going to leave. Computer, negative. Jordy screams and screams. Ah! Back to the bridge. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. And then we go back to the bridge. <laughs> Amy? Oh, sorry. This is Data. Sir, the Enterprise is emitting low levels of Starfleet <laughs> graduates. We should try to find attractive friends. Worf, kindly get to the surface immediately. Riker, sir, are you sure Worf wants to negotiate with the colony's office? Isn't he kind of inherently dangerous? You have disgraced my father with your words. <laughs> Worf is kind and capable of dealing with any that, anything that may arise anywhere at any time. Except me. Worf is the captain of my heart, and you know I support him. Who would you have said? <laughs> Are you okay, Captain? Riker, I want someone who parties hard and knows when to fight a Klingon. I want someone with 15 pieces of metal in their face that would satisfy everyone who might rob us. Someone named William Riker of the USS Enterprise, who's apparently become Borg. <laughs> Out of the darkness appears Q. He is clearly surprising. Q. I have presented myself. Which humans did I interrupt now? Ah, the redoubtable head of the ship, you! I don't want you to interfere with my life, mister. I am the universe. How do you like this? 
Suddenly there are gasps from the bridge and then impact. Wham! All the sound is coming from the explosion. Data is almost frenzied with a tricorder and scans his head and body for orders. Riker stares at his feet. Worf, (laughs) Captain, he has dropped a big scissors on us. Close up on Picard's frustrated forehead. This is now my chief concern. Fade out. (laughs) To be continued. Amazing. (laughs) Indeed. My head hurts again, guys. Oh my gosh. Uh, that was pretty. We nailed that. We nailed did nail it. Yes. Hashtag nailed it. Yeah, and I only lost it a couple times. I was the most professional, though. You were, but you still laughed. <laughs> I did laugh. It was your fault. It was the laughter in my ears. Too much laughter. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I didn't get to see your expressions. Did I startle you with Jordy screaming? Yes. <laughs> I am so sorry. Any <laughs> listeners who have punctured your eardrums with Jordy screaming, I really apologize. And I'll get you a big thing of chips. <sighs> oh. Okay. I'm going, I've, got, I've got a big thing of chips in the kitchen. I'm going to have it later. It's hashtag big thing of chips thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that was right, great. Guys. Good idea, yeah. guys. We um, still have more to do, I guess. Okay, so if you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Joe, where can people contact you when you're not commanding a big circle with a porch? Well, you know, I like to do that all the time, (laughs) Um, but when I'm not doing that... Um, it's got the the what Amy? What are they called the swingy chairs, the rocking chairs, rocking chairs, rocking chairs, rocking rocking chairs. Yes, <laughs> don't know why I couldn't get that name. Swinging chairs, oh. swinging chairs. Yes. <laughs> um, when I'm not doing that, you can get me on Twitter at joyjo 77 uk You can find me on the Babel Conference, or you can email me joepodcasts at gmail So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not fighting Remans and Jeffrey's tubes? Hmm. Well, when I'm not doing that, you can find me here on the network hosting The Edge. Is that the one I do? Yeah. (laughs) You've forgotten. No, because I get it confused with the line. Okay. You can find me here on the network where I host The Edge with my good friend Patrick Devlin, where we talk about Star Trek Discovery. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and you can find me there in the Babel Conference. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not hosting a trill? Oh. Oh. You know, I have actually thought about this. I think the trill are such a fascinating species. And I'm simultaneously fascinated and terrified to think of what it would be like to have this symbiont that has all the memories. And then to think, every moment, everything you do, if if the symbiont survives... Someone else is going to access like your most private stuff. That would be weird, mm. right? Mm. Although, can I pull? Can I pull Amy up? That's a little bit rude, though. Justin <laughs> just had a big lunch. You're funny. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can find me elsewhere on the network, co-hosting the line. That's our podcast about Star Trek Picard. Very excited to be bringing you content in advance of the show, talking about the Next Generation and Voyager, and then we will talk about every episode as it airs, starting. January 9th, really, actually, with the short track. So you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. 
Uh, and you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exec- exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through us through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current artificially intelligent associate producers. They are Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebuzio, Joe Keegan, Jim McMahon, and me, Justin Ozer. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. My mom is a real pain in the rocks, I tell you what. Great joy and gratitude. And the universe worships the night. Mm.